Hey y'all, this is Andy and you're listening to episode 5 of the Journey Together podcast. Today I want to talk about a rather broad topic, um, the faithfulness of God. Now, I don't know what you think of when you hear that term or even just the word faithfulness, but also the term God's faithfulness. Um, I know for me, at a glance, faithfulness seems like a very vague idea. Um, But maybe just a helpful anchoring point, the the Oxford English Dictionary defines faithfulness as remaining loyal and steadfast. And I think all those, those... those three words remaining loyal steadfast really make me think of a consistency and a trustworthiness um, which i think are rather elusive when it comes to our relationships and so you know i just want to today explore what that might mean for god what he what his faithfulness specifically looks like as he says in his own word Um, and what are the promises that he promises to be faithful to for for his people so um yeah i just hope that today is an opportunity to just grow in our understanding of god's god's nature and and then that we would respond in faith because of his faithfulness exodus 34 6 The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Deuteronomy 7.9 Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. This is how God describes himself to his people. He describes himself as abounding in faithfulness, as the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. I think it's so important to realize that that's how God chooses to identify himself, to describe himself, to to present himself to the people that he calls to him. Now, even though God says that about him, I think we all struggle at times to to remember that, to believe it, to feel that God is faithful. Um, we we struggle with disappointment, we struggle with loss, we struggle with pain, and those things make us feel like, man, is God really faithful to me? And I think it's I don't I don't blame us for struggling to trust that God is going to be faithful because. Every other relationship that we have in our lives, every human relationship we have, at some point or another, the promises that have been made to us, they've been forgotten. They've been, um, they've been a lie. Uh, at the very least, we've, they've just never been fulfilled because someone was unable to fulfill those promises. So we struggle. We struggle to, to believe that there's someone out there who is perfectly faithful to their promises. And I think part of that too is because we also have these certain expectations and certain ideas of what God has promised us. Uh, This might sound trite, but things like the prosperity gospel that say, oh, God promises you health and wealth. um, Those are not 
promises that you can find in Scripture. Those are not promises that you can see God making in Scripture to his followers. He doesn't even promise things like a spouse or children, which so many people desire deeply and understandably. He doesn't promise those to all his people. I mean, he doesn't promise things as as deep as a sense of comfort or a sense of control in this earthly life. We are not him. We can't control things the way he does. And this world is broken, and so we will never be fully comfortable and have an easy life. Yet these are all things that at the very least subconsciously we develop expectations of, that we think that, oh, because God is a loving father, he he owes me this or he will give me this. Thankfully, he is a loving father. That that part very much is true. And he loves to give good gifts. That is also true. But to give good gifts doesn't mean we will live a, a perfectly comfortable, uneventful life, so to speak. The, the thing that really started me down this path recently about exploring the faithfulness and promises of God was as I was preparing a sermon on Hebrews 11, specifically on Moses. Hebrews 11 is known as the the Hall of Faith, where these historic figures from the Old Testament are talked about, and it's they're talked about in the context of their faith, how they accomplish big things by faith. And as I was digging deeper into Moses' story, and when you look at where he comes from before God calls him out, you see someone who isn't capable on his own, who isn't super confident in God on his own. But as God reveals first his promises of how he's going to work through Moses, how he's going to uh, free the Israelites from Egypt, the very specific ways that he's going to do that, as God says that, and then as God actually fulfills those promises, Moses is, is emboldened and he responds in faithfulness to God. And that's what we see in the Bible. We see his faithfulness as a response to God's faithfulness. And so to me, it's so powerful when you look at, okay, faithfulness isn't something that we necessarily just have inside of us, that it's a unwavering confidence that just comes because you're that way. No, it's really when we, we see God fulfill the promises that he has made to us, that's what empowers us to have faithfulness to him, to have faithfulness in the midst of circumstances that look anything but faithfulness. Now, unfortunately, not all of us get the same experience that Moses got, where we have an audible conversation with a physical manifestation of God. But even still, we have God's word in the form of Scripture. We can never forget that the Bible is God's breathed word that was breathed into the authors of the different books of the Bible. God is the ultimate author. These are his words given to us. And so what's beautiful is when we look at the New Testament, because we are, we are gods through Jesus. So it's in the New Testament, especially after the Gospels, that we see promises that come through, through the words of Jesus and through the inspired words of the apostles in the various parts of the New Testament. And the first category of promises that's so foundational is promises of, of forgiveness, of 
of salvation, of freedom. Romans 10.9 says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. See the confidence, the certainty, you will be saved. 1 John 1.9, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. These statements that come with no doubt, with complete certainty, these are the words that God has ultimately spoken through the Spirit, that he will save us if we confess, that he is faithful to forgive us our sins if we confess our sins. So that's the most important starting point you could think of, that the, the first promises God makes is he will save us from our sins, the eternal condemnation, the shame, the pain, the death. He will save us from all of that if we confess of our sins and if we confess that Jesus is Lord. Now, the second huge category of promises that God's make is that he will be with us. He will be present amongst us. You know, Jesus' words in Matthew 11, I will give you rest. I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And I don't know how many people need to hear that, but I know it's a lot, that God will give rest and that we will find rest for our souls in him. You know, and the, some of the last words that Jesus spoke to his disciples in Matthew 28, I am with you always to the end of the age. I am always. Those, this, again, the certainty of those words. That's, that's a promise from Jesus. And, you know, the, one of the most powerful promises that I've constantly been going back to in the, during this past year, just amidst all the, the pain and the strife, the chaos, the death, from Revelation chapter 21, he will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. That's what God promises will ultimately happen at the end of all things when Jesus has come and he has abolished all that is evil, all that remains of Satan. After that, we will dwell with him. We will be his own people and he will wipe away every tear. There will be no more death, no more, no more sadness, no more tears, no more pain. Those, those promises, how, how often do we look elsewhere for fulfillment of those promises? It's so easy to, to want the immediate and the, the temporary, but those things, nothing other than God himself can perfectly satisfy and kind of the final major category that speaks to a lot of the things, those promises that we think God has made to us about wealth and health, comfort, spouses, children, whatever. Um, God does make a lot of promises about how he's going to provide and protect us. Matthew 6.33, Jesus is teaching, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Now, in context, Jesus is literally talking about those who are anxious about 
having enough to eat and having clothing for themselves. That's all he's talking about. Those are some of the most basic fundamental human needs. And Jesus is saying, as you seek the kingdom and God's righteousness, he will provide for all those basic needs. It's not saying he's going to give you an abundance of those things. He's saying he's going to provide for all those things. You know, Romans, or sorry, in Philippians 4, God says through the Apostle Paul, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Some of the key words there, obviously will, that's a promise. He will supply every need. Now, one of the biggest, most important distinctions is what do we truly need? What do we need versus what do we want? And how often is our disappointment and our struggle with God because we are expecting him to supply every want and not actually just every need. You know, I think in, in countries that are so privileged like our own, it's so easy to, to get lost in the wants and to forget about what we only need. But thankfully, God doesn't let us constantly live under the illusion that he is going to provide for every want. No, he will provide for our every need. And that's, that's enough. That's more than enough. It's more than we deserve, that's for sure. But thank God he's a loving father who says in Romans 8.28, for those who love God, all things work together for good. That, that's, so, that's so important. That gives context and meaning to all the suffering that we face in this life, all the disappointment, all the deception, all the pain, all the loss. Those things find new meaning when God says all things work together for good. It's not just good in this momentary, immediate, very selfish sense. No, it's for good in the eternal sense that God is working us more into the image of Jesus and that will lead into our very presence with him as, as he says in Revelation 21. Some other promises of God's provision and protection in 2 Corinthians 12, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. My grace is sufficient. That's not, that, that is not in doubt. That is not in question. That is certain. His grace is sufficient. And his power is made perfect in our weakness. That's so hard to, to accept and to grapple with that when we are weak, oh, God is actually more evident. He is more good. Even though I'm struggling now, his greatness, his love, his faithfulness, those are more clearly perfect. And, you know, I think in line with some of these other promises that we talked about in James 1.3, God says, the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. So again, just like in Romans 8.28, where all things work together for good, the testing of our faith, the circumstances that make us most struggle, that make us most doubt, those produce steadfastness in us. You know what steadfastness is? is? It's faithfulness. The testing of our faith results in faithfulness to God. Now that is, that is beautiful. That is, thank goodness he works through that. Thank goodness our suffering isn't meaningless. It isn't just because we're at the whim of Satan and this sinful world. 
No, God uses it to strengthen us. Now, there's different camps on whether or not God is the one who causes suffering. I'm not going to make a definitive statement one way or the other. But at the very least, God allows those things so that we can grow in our faithfulness to him. There's a song by the group called House Fires. If you know that song, Build My Life, they're, some of the, they're the original authors for that song. But another song they wrote that's very relevant to this topic of God's faithfulness, Yes and Amen is the name. And the, the chorus goes like this, Faithful you are. Faithful forever you will be. Faithful you are. All your promises are yes and amen. Now, you know what's beautiful about that is we don't have to claim and cling to our thoughts of what God's promises might be. But as we turn to Scripture, we know what God's promises are, and we know that He is faithful to those promises. So please let me pray for you. Um, God, you are faithful, and your faithfulness truly is unparalleled. It is unlike anything that we have ever known in this life apart from you. God, we thank you that you are trustworthy and true, that everything you promise you will fulfill and you are fulfilling now, God. God, we thank you that even though you don't promise all the things that we want, God, you promise to satisfy and for, provide for every need, every need. God, I thank you that you provide freedom, forgiveness, salvation, our deepest need. God, I thank you that you go even further, that you provide uh, your presence to us. You promise to be with us, to comfort us in the midst of our sorrows, God, in the midst of our lives. God, and I thank you that you promise protection and provision, God, even more than the sparrows in the field or the lilies of the field, God, you provide for our needs. God, and we thank you that our suffering, our struggles, they aren't meaningless, God, but they find meaning in you. They find meaning in the fact that all these things are working together for our eternal good. So I just pray that today, as, as whoever's listening right now, God, and beyond this point, God, that you would just continually remind remind us of your everlasting faithfulness. And God, I pray that we would be emboldened, that we would be filled with gratitude and joy for your faithfulness, that we would respond with faithfulness, God. We love you. We thank you. It's in your son's precious, mighty name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Bridge HTX is a network of house churches located in Houston, Texas. We commit to a journey of transformation together towards Jesus for the glory of God.